Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. There is something special brewing at Seton Hall. You could feel it earlier in the season when the Pirates defeated then number four Michigan on the road, and you can see it in how this team has a commitment to each other to playing a full 40 minutes to fighting tooth and nail. Thursday night at Prudential Center provided another piece of confirmation when the Hall defeated number seven Texas 64 60 in a back and forth hard nosed game that wasn't decided until Bryce Aiken made a fallback three and hit two free throws in the final minute to help seal the victory, which improved Seton Hall to 8-1 on the year. This is a mature team dominated by seniors and postgraduates. In fact, it's the 10th oldest team in college basketball, fourth among power conference schools, and that experience has been a steadying influence whenever things start to slide. The win over Texas was an outstanding victory in front of a sellout crowd at The Rock. And with all that said, the Pirates might have to be even better on Sunday when they take on Rutgers in the always emotional showdown in the Garden State Hardwood Classic, a game that became even bigger in light of Rutgers knocking off number one ranked Purdue at home on the same night that Seton Hall was beating Texas. As Seton Hall gets ready for that game, my guest this week is Michael Enzi, the recent Seton Hall graduate who played in four Hardwood Classics and who has embarked on a career on Wall Street. A native of Nigeria, NZ's story is one of determination and dedication. On this episode of Pirates Talk, he shares his amazing story, his memories of those four games against Rutgers, and why the game means so much. Michael, thank you very much for giving me some of your time. It's good to speak with you as we get ready for the Rutgers-Seton Hall game on Sunday. I'm just curious as to what you think about this rivalry as there'll be a big crowd at Prudential Center. Hey, Matt, um, thanks for having me on your show today. Um, I, I was actually looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, and I'm going to be talking about my perspective today based on one, as a former player that played in four of these games and also as an alumni. So basically, my thought about this game as a player, it was more for the bragging rights, you know? <laughs> um as a single hall player back then, you didn't want to lose to Rutgers because you had a bunch of friends who played on Rutgers, you know? And you want to have that bragging rights when you guys see each other in the summer over the weekend or wherever you are. You could clearly say to their face, we beat you guys this year. And it's always a good feeling to always beat, like, the neighboring school. It gives you school New Jersey is. So that was it for me as a player. But I've looked at it as an alumni, and I've kind of like have a different perspective on the game um i think working with a few ruckus alumni um like on my team at work as well i've seen that this game has easily like talking about the game has brought us more together and closer which i view it like for a lot of the fans a lot of the alumni i know we we see whole fans we want to win ruckus fans want to win as well but i think as an alumni the game goes beyond like what happens on the court. I think it goes to the unity of like New Jersey basketball and like bringing us together to watch a very beautiful game. So I think it's just a big opportunity to to get together with some of the guys, you know? So it's interesting as a player, ultra competitive, you don't want to lose for a a variety of reasons. Not that you want to see Seton Hall lose on Sunday at all. I know you want them to win, but that perspective after a few years away from the on-the-court battles just kind of widens your worldview a little bit, it seems. 
yeah, I mean, it, it has, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. As an alumni, I still want to have that bragging right. <laughs> absolutely, <wanna> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it goes more to, you know, that conversation leading towards the game, talking about it every day, and then having that bragging rights to talk about it after, you know? And, like, you know, some of these guys, I will be going to the game with them. So it's just, like, brings us more closer, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Something, yeah. No question about it. Uh, and it's a, just another thing with your team building. What are you doing these days, by the way? Um, So I currently, I work at Goldman Sachs. Um, I work with a equity structure products group, so... These days, I just spend my days talking to a bunch of clients and trying to figure out a different solution, you know, to help, like, in terms of, like, investing and all that stuff, you know. It's a different world for me coming from basketball to this, but, you know, anything works. Exactly. And you know what? From yeah. from what I know about you, you've put yourself 100% into it, as you did in basketball, and uh, the success will follow. You're already successful in the early start to your career, but there'll be a lot more down the line that we'll hear from you. So let's talk about some of those Rutgers-Seton Hall games. The first time you played them, you actually had your first career double-double. Do you remember that game back in the 2015-16 season? Yeah, actually, that that is actually my most pre, pre, um, like precious experience of the game. Um, I treasure that game so much because I felt like as a freshman, it was a good breakout game for me, you know, um, you know, coming from, you know, like a year of sitting out and being a rest shirt because of a broken wrist to trying to make it to the to the game rotation, you know, and when I finally got my chance because someone got hurt, I was able to show what I could do as a freshman. And also when I talk to a lot of Rockets fans, I try to remind them, the first time I played you guys at your gym, I had a double-double, you know? It's a little... <laughs> Yeah, so it's it was, it was a great experience for me, um, you know. Get out. I, I feel like it's one of the games when I look back in my career where I always look back to, you know, because I feel like that was the start for me. And it was a blowout game. Seton Hall wins 84-55. What do you remember about that game particularly? Um, I mean, for me, my personal experience, I remember going into that game nervous, to be honest. Uh, nervous in the sense I was confident about my team, obviously, but personally nervous in the sense that um, I was going into that game. I knew I was going to start because, and I knew I was going to play, play major majority of the minutes, given the other guy who we both share like uh, the same position. He was out for that game, and I knew it was. Mike, it's your time to do it. It's your time to show what you said this whole time you could do. And so I was nervous on my path, and I knew I had a job to get done that day. So going into that game, I, I felt a little nervous, you know, because I felt like, what if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, you know? But I give a lot of credit to my teammates. I remember Isaiah Whitehead bringing super, super phenomenal mm-hmm. that game. Not Everybody know him to be a... a like a guy that scores the ball, but I, if you could remember that game, he gave a lot of assists to me. Like he was dishing the ball, like I never thought behind the back and everything. Um, I feel like he got me going and he got all the guys going. And I remember Angel Delgado, you know, being super dominant as well. Um, I, I feel like all in all, it was a great game and a great experience for me. So like, this is just the pretty much the little bits I remember about the game. Well, that's a great recap of what the game was about and and who was instrumental in helping you to that double double and the big victory by Seton Hall yeah. over Rutgers who was out injured that gave you the opportunity 
Um, it was Ishmael Sanogo. Um, at that time, um, Ishmael was the starting former at Sioux University. So he had just hurt his ankle um, to practice into that game. And going into the game, coach kept telling me, you're starting this game. So, <laughs> And I think um, coach did not go with the usual lineup. Um, that game, I know he had Kadeem Carrington come off the bench as well. Um, so it was just a little bit different, you know, starting the game, you know. Yeah, so. So you start off the Rutgers-Seton Hall rivalry with the bang as you get the double-double and Seton Hall has the big win. You win the next yeah. year as well. Then the loss comes. And what do you remember about that game in the 2017-18 <laughs> season? You're laughing. It must bring back some interesting <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that was actually a pretty interesting one because, you know, that was the one year where, you know, we all started as freshmen. And at this time, we were in ops. A lot of a lot of the guys I played with were in this senior year, if you remember, Angel, Kadinka, and Desi Rodriguez. Um, Ruckus was actually a very good team at this point as well. But I remember we going to the game feeling very confident, you know, we were going to go in there get the win, come back out, you know. We were confident about our team and who we had. Um, and it was a pretty interesting game, starting from the warm-ups. Um, I feel like the Rockers, um, the organization over there, they had a plan and they stuck to it. The plan was whenever Sin Hall was warming up and the Rockers players was not on the court, they played like, like low-tune music that gets you feeling like you want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and the fans will boo us even at three, like the warm-up. And this is when their players will go in the locker room to get dressed or like talk to the coach. So like the 30 minutes before the game where we were getting shots off, we were listening to low tune, really sad music. And I said, player, you don't want that. We, it was either turn the music off or play some high energy rap music or something and it was obviously so draining and we didn't try to, we didn't pay attention to the to that um and i remember the game starting and it'd be like a super super tough like ruckus ruckus they, i'll give them credit they brought it they came ready we were ready but um they got the win and the one thing i also never forget was the feeling that they gave to us after like taking the win. They made a, they made sure they shoved it to our face. They took the locker room right next to us, played really loud rap music, and they kept yelling the whole time. So guess what I did? That pissed me off. <laughs> that I I remembered it the next time we play we played them. And if you remember, I got attacked. Because from that day, I had it in my heart that the next time I see these guys, <laughs> I'm not gonna take it. No. <laughs> and a year later, Seton Hall uh, does defeat Rutgers. 72-66 is the final score. So, you know, it's still a very stark memory for you, obviously. So I'm just going to ask you to rewind the clock as you're preparing. You're upset. You've lost the last year, but there's a whole year between the games. So now as you're getting ready in the week leading up to that, what's fueling your fire? The music? Uh, is it their celebration that you could hear through the dressing room? Like what? Actually, what got you going for that that final <laughs> meeting of your career against the Scarlet Knights? Actually, for this one, I had a teammate from high school who was actually a, a ruckus at this time. His name is Duke Dukuri, Bubaka Duke. Oh yeah, Bubaka yeah, sure, Dukuri. absolutely. Yep, and he was actually my reminder every time 
couple he like, oh, we, we got the game coming up. Remember we beat you guys last year? I'm like, <laughs> I did not forget. I'll see you soon, brother. I would always tell him that. And I felt like prior to the game, he would he would make like uh he would send me a message every chance he gets just to remind me, you know? And I mean I did not forget like the feeling from losing the game, you know, um having to see our fans like go back and forth with the rocket fans of Twitter. You know, that was just one thing you always want to give your fans the bragging rights as well. So you know what? I was just like, you know what, this is one they're coming to our home. We can't let them get two in a row, so we just had to get it done. There you go. Uh, and I'm sure you told your friend, hey, thanks thanks for the extra incentive. Not that I really needed anything, <laughs> I mean, but thanks for firing me up some more. Honestly, I remember like my teammates, they were saying all the time prior to the game, we won our trophy back. And Coach Grant, on game day, that was his slogan, we won our trophy back. Because honestly, it's not like we think it's the trophy belongs to us. It's actually Seahawks trophy. We've had it the most. So we feel like it's ours, you know? So we wanted it back. So that's, and that's what we did. I, I love it. And I think everyone listening will uh, smile <laughs> a little more brightly thinking about that thought. It's Seton Hall's trophy, man. Like we got it back and, you know, we've beaten you more times than we've lost to you. So what do you think about this game coming up on Sunday? I know you closely follow Seton Hall. I don't know how much you follow Rutgers, but what do you think? Um, so more like, yeah, you're right. Um, I still host my team, um, and I, I've closely followed my team and it's not a surprise. I'll be rooting for my team Sunday, but my thoughts on the game, you know, um, I, I like to think, um, bigger picture. It's going to be a great atmosphere, um, for New Jersey basketball. Um, I'm going to be at the game with a bunch of my raucous colleague as well. So. Personally, I want Seahawks to get this win just so I could have the bragging right for the rest of the year. But in terms of the game, um, I think um, Seahawks just have to come out. They have to do what they do every day, play Kevin Willis basketball. Um, I rebound these guys. We have a bunch of guys on our team with a lot of experience, a lot of fit year guys, um, and a good core that I think is going to go to this game, knowing what it means for the school, for the organization, for the fans, I'm, I'm sure they're going to play one of the best basketballs they've ever played all season on Sunday. Well, let's hope that that does occur. I mean, you're right. It is a senior team. It's a veteran team. There are some yeah. players who are new to the program coming in, but yeah. there are a lot of guys who've been around for a few years, and there are a lot of Jersey and metropolitan area roots. So I'm sure that same feeling will exist of like, I, I see these guys a lot. I don't need to hear from them. So I want to win yeah. for me. I want to win for the school. And I want to win just to shut those guys up because I don't need to hear it for 365, right? I I have been hearing it a lot. So like, I, I'm right there with you. I want to <laughs> shut them up. I want to be like, look, I told you. And for the newer guys to see a hole, uh, I'm sure at this point, I'm talking about the guys who just joined the team like recently. I'm sure at this point they would already know what this game means to the school, what it means to the fans, what it means for New Jersey basketball. I'm sure the guys and the coaches have told them that we're not going to lose to Rutgers in our house. Not We don't want to lose to them at their house too. It is our trophy and we want it to stay that way. So I'm sure this is the message that's going on in the, rock, in, the in the locker room right now. So I'm pretty positive in terms of like the energy that these guys are going to bring out there, you know? 
You said Kevin Willard basketball. In your mind, what is Kevin Willard basketball? I mean, you we you want to I, I want to start talking about it from when I was there and like when the B core came in to the program our freshman year and try to change things in the program. Um, a lot of people, if you ask them to describe single hall basketball to you, they would tell you what either one word is going to come out of 85% of everyone's mouth. They would tell you those guys are tough. They play tough. So Kevin Willis, Kevin Willis basketball to me and from what I've known and from playing under this guy is hard nose difference. You cannot win the game if you're not tough if you're not playing hard defense, offense is always going to come. But I feel like the way we've been taught to play and the way we've played is by playing defense, getting deflections, rebounding the ball, and making sure you play harder than the other team. So Kevin Williams basketball to me, it's hard-nosed defense and being out there, giving out the energy and the toughness. Great description of what Coach has brought to the Seton Hall program. Uh, we're all looking forward to how it plays out on Sunday. Before I let you go, and thank you so much for your time, I've got some questions that you know, you've know you answered over time, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners know your background. But for those who are maybe unsure about Michael Enzi and how he came to America, how he came to Seton Hall, you're from a, a community, and I hope I pronounced the name right. Is it McCurdy? Is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah, it's called Makurdi. Makurdi um, yeah. in Nigeria. What yeah. kind of a town is it's, that? Um, it's a pretty small town. Um, I feel like it's one of those towns where everyone knows everyone. Um, it's a little. They have a little city-like downtown area, but um, and it's like a one of the biggest, the second biggest river in Nigeria is located in that town. So it's a pretty. It's a it's a little mix of an industry area that you would think about in a third world environment you know growing up there was more like you know going to school basketball wasn't really a thing for a lot of the people actually the only thing that made me play basketball even though i loved the game from watching was just the fact that i became six five at 15 you know that was like (laughs) (laughs) that growth that growth spurt was pretty important (laughs) <laughs> that gross board made me had no use um, on the soccer pitch. Every kid wanted to play soccer. So I became too tall. This guy's wanted me to be the goalie. And for, it's a pride thing for me because I wanted to play out there because I didn't want to be a goalie. So I had to go to, to something that was more fitting for my height. And, you know, when something is natural, it becomes love instantly. And that's when it clicked for me that, hey, this is what I was meant to do, you know? And then from there on, we just started playing it. And once you love something, you pick on it easily, and then the opportunities start coming in. I, I know the sport is popular in Nigeria, the greatest Nigerian basketball player, Hakeem Olajuwon, of course. But compared to soccer, is basketball more popular than soccer in Nigeria, or does it depend on what part of the country you're from? Uh in any part of the country, soccer is more popular than basketball. Um, there's a lot of kids uh, picking up the basketball these days, given um, how the games, like a lot of, like all the players that's been changing the game, like, you know, the likes of LeBron, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, who is like internationally known. Um, a lot of kids have like seen these guys play on TV and would want to play. And if there's a basketball court next to your house, I think a lot of the guys would just naturally go try it out. But 
the natural sport that every kid wants to play out there is soccer, which is just natural. They, they don't teach us how to play. We just know how to play mm-hmm. from from birth. Like I don't remember ever having a coach for soccer. I just know how to play soccer, and I can still play soccer any day, anytime. Because this was something that I watched all the time. But for basketball, you know, someone has to teach you how to play basketball, and you need shoes for that. For soccer, we could play with our bare feet, you know? Mm. It was just so much easier for that environment. So people would, even if there was a chance where people had to pick between basketball and soccer, soccer would make more sense. Because there was, there's always a field right next to your house for you to go play soccer. The basketball courts are always far away. So naturally, everything just was inclining most towards soccer. And soccer is like global out there. It is global, and basketball has a global yeah. reach as well, but nothing like soccer. That's that. Not, that's not, for sure. Not, nothing like soccer. No, no. Out no, I mean, in Nigeria, I'm specifically speaking about my country. I don't want nobody to feel any type of way, but I'm speaking for where I grew up and my country, you know? No, no, I understand that. But the truth is you go to any big city or small little village around the world and you'll find soccer. There's no doubt about that. It, it is such yes. a global sport. But basketball, as I mentioned, certainly has a broad reach as well. So who was the team that you cheered for growing up? And do you still have a loyalty to that soccer team? Oh, so for me, growing up, I fell in love with a player um, named Thierry Harry. He's from France. Um, he was a French player who... Great um, player. Played. One of the all-time best. Yeah, so naturally, people who fell in love with Thierry Henry just naturally become Arsenal fans, and it just sticks, you know. So I've always been an Arsenal fan, um, and I'm still an Arsenal fan up to today. Funny enough, I watch the EPL every weekend, and it's just it's just still so great to be like able to like watch soccer like in the US and stuff, you know. It's just always going to be a part of me. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I, I am a fan not to the extent that my children are. So I'll just let you know, I I, I oversee three boys who are Liverpool fans. They are big. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Talk Liverpool's about... Ro- had, they, they've had the, the last five years has been a great run for them. So it has been. So must be in a really good place because Liverpool, the last five years, been super exceptional so your kids have some good days yeah it, i wouldn't say the same about us Arsenal fans you know it's been a little rougher for the gunners that's for sure <laughs> yeah so how did you come to america how did, how did that work once you your size says i've got to try basketball what was the path to the united states so when you once you try basketball and then you find the love for the game which is right there and it's natural and then you Obviously, it's a very competitive sport, you know, and as a kid, you wanted to be the best in everything you you did, you know. So we have different stages of basketball in Nigeria. It's not as organized as the U.S. I would love it to be, but it's not a country where um, basketball is fully supported by the educational system. It's, it doesn't work like that. So we only found time to play basketball after school. So pretty much the only chance you could get was a regional competition that was organized for the schools, like for the, for the schools who actually have a basketball program, which is not fully existent until there's a tournament, then they call everybody. So lucky enough, 
my school was selected um, to participate. So when I went out there to play, it's called the Milo Tournament, which is popular out there. When I went to play, a lot of national, like the junior national team scouts were at the game. And they're like, hey, we think you have a chance. And for us, you know what? That was a huge jump if you're playing basketball in your local state and then you get seen by like a national scout. So for me, all I wanted to do was like be the best in my state, be the best in my school. And then I got I started getting looks to play for the junior national team. And by the time I played for my first junior national team, this was when I was 16 and I played in 2010. And I think my first tournament was I'm forgetting the country. It could have been, Sen- I think, Senegal. That was my first time. And once I was able to leave the country and play basketball, that sparked it for me. You know, I had a friend who played basketball at University of St. John's, or St. John's University, of named Chris Obekba. Um, this was a guy who, when we started playing basketball, had the opportunity to have a vision that, hey, I know a few guys who made it out of Nigeria playing basketball in the U.S. And for me, I was like, well, how is it done? He's like, just be the best. And he was trying to explain it to me. But for me at that time, I I would say I was shallow-minded in the terms of like, I wasn't seeing it happening. I didn't think how possible it would be. But I guess things happen when you're dedicated to a sport. So once I saw his dedication and when it happened for him and he called me on the phone and told me like, hey, I have a scholarship and I'm going to continue my education in the U.S., that sparked the desire in me that I wanted to do the same thing, you know, and how do you do this? Just keep playing, keep working on your game. And if you get to a certain level where you become like one of the top young prospects, you start getting seen by international scouts. And it will be a great opportunity if you get in contact to one of these American high schools who are looking to take international students, which I was lucky enough that my friend had told our Saving New American about me. And when I became the captain of the national team and I went to a tournament in the Ivory Coast, he had told him, like, hey, look, if you want this guy, you need to follow the tournament. He's going to perform great. And when I did just that, they were like, hey, look, we want you to come to our school. We want to help your life, help your basketball career. You know, it's it was something that I wanted. And, you know, it was it was a school that my friends been to and he made it out of there. So I really trusted the program and it was I took similar route. I, I saw a, f- a feature story that was run on Fox and I guess you were a senior when it was recorded, maybe as a junior, but you didn't tell your mom. Your dad had passed away, unfortunately, in 2012. <laughs> but you didn't tell your mom until you were at the airport about to head to America that you were doing that. Is that true? <laughs> so I will explain how, how things work out there, you know. Um, it's I would say Americans are lucky enough where when a kid wants to play a sport or he wants to, you know, he's passionate about something. A lot of times, which is mostly the case in the U.S., you have your parents are fully 100% supportive. So at your early stage, they would, let's say you're a basketball player, they'll buy you the gears, they'll buy you shoes, they'll take you to practice and all that stuff. We didn't have that. I would tell you, nobody in my family ever saw me play basketball. Nobody. In real life. They've never been to a basketball court. They've probably seen videos, but that was it for them. Um, so it was more like, 
something that would keep you away from for trouble. So my dad was like, okay, cool. He's playing basketball. He's not going to be on the street hanging with these guys. And my mom thought I was wasting my time because I should be in school learning um, only and coming back home to help her with stuff. Um, so <laughs> I always play basketball with my friends. And when I fell in love, it's just something that I always wanted to do. Um, so when he became uh, a teen, then I started getting scouted to play for the junior national team. My dad fully supported it. At that point, he was so interested and he wanted to see how far I could get with it. But my mom was never on board. I passed away. I had got this opportunity to go to the U.S. And my mom, because when you lose a loved one in Nigeria, it's a cultural thing where you have a morning stage of like six months or sometimes it's a year. So my mom was in her morning phase where she just stays home and she just like doesn't go anywhere. Just, you know, it's just a traditional thing. So I looked at her. I was like, I'm not going to tell her why she's grieving a loss. I mean, I was at that time, but at this time I was thinking about my future, you know, I couldn't tell, I couldn't go to her face and be like, Hey, I know we just lost my dad like <laughs> a month ago and I'm going to be leaving like tonight. So <laughs> I couldn't tell her. I just left the house. I told my sister. Um, and when I got to the airport, I was like, well, I could tell my mom now and she's not going to be able to stop me. Um, and this wasn't like I was a disobedient child, but it was just more like my parents always knew I was going to trips or basketball. At this time, I was going with the national team to like countries in Africa. So it was easily a conversation. She was like, where are you going? I'm like, another basketball tournament. And she's like, when are you going to be back? I was like, like everyone a week. I don't know. It depends on how long they want me to be there. <laughs> and when I was at the airport, I actually told her, it's looking like this one's going to be six years. <laughs> <laughs> A little longer than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, 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 it, when I look at it, I can laugh. I can laugh now. Uh, and I'm sure she would laugh at it now, but I'm sure she didn't take it lightly. Uh, but I had to do what I had to do for myself. Uh, which I think it was the best chance I took. Well, it has worked out so well for you. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I want to ask you, so you go uh, to or come to America and you play for our Xavier New, uh, our Savior New American, and then the recruiting process begins. Why did you choose Seton Hall? So there was one thing about Seton Hall um, out of every school I visited. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll say it. Um, um, for every school that I visited, um, you know, as a recruit, you just come in, you watch practice, you watch all this stuff, which was boring for me, you know. Um, I'm, I, I like to play. I like to, you know. With Simon Hall, I got an opportunity to watch these guys work out. And when I expressed my interest in, like, working out, the coach was like, actually, this is the summer, so we're going to have a run, and maybe we might let you, you know. And when I got to run with some of these guys, it just felt natural because here's the thing. I've played against um, Angel Delgado. I've played against Isaiah Whitehead. I've played against Desi. I've played about against Kadeem Carrington and Ishmael as well. We've also played on the same team. Um, Isaiah Whitehead and Desi, we both play on the same AAU team. So being in the same environment with these guys and playing with them, it was just a natural thing. I just felt a sense of belonging, you know? I was like, oh, I'm used to these guys. I play with them. It's fun. It's the same guys I've known in New York. So why not? So pretty much that was like 
one of the biggest things that went to uh, my decision making. And I feel like the second one was um, when I expressed my interest in like what I like. I was talking to um, this lady, um, Cunningham. Um, she was like a senior hall legend. Um, Robin she, Cunningham. I, yes, Robin Cunningham. Yeah. She brought me to her office and she was like, hey, um, she's like, so tell me about your life. At this point, I would barely tell people anything about myself because I, I was still like just like holding back a lot of stuff and she was like what did um you told me like it's like how you doing school i was like but english is like my second language although we speak english in nigeria but it was just something that i was speaking every day um but so i have a little struggle like speaking in public and stuff she was so what have you been doing i was like well I t- i'm taking a speech class and she's like how's it been i was like well it's been great, actually. Um, and the teachers, like, loved all my speeches. She was like, can you give me an impromptu speech right now? And I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. <laughs> so I stood up, gave her an impromptu speech, and she was like, that was bold. That's going to take you a lot of places. Not a lot of kids are going to stand up and do that. Um, and I just felt like it was just a place where um, the people were going to embrace me uh, and challenging me at the same time. And I, that's pretty much been my COR experience. All the professors, they embraced me. Um, they challenged me at the same time. Mm, they told me, um, being a student, it's not easy, but you got to do your homework, sir. <laughs> 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 being a student, it's not easy, but you got to be accountable and send me an email if you're going to be on the trip because if you miss the test, I'm not, <laughs> not going to cut no slack. You're in the business school, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like it was just like the kind of environment I needed to be, you know. Um, when I came to visit, they, they, they wanted to see me practice. I, I told the lady my struggle. She challenged me there right away. Um, and that's what I wanted for myself as a kid. Not um, not a place where I'm just going to slide, but a place where I'm pretty much going to be challenged to get the best out of myself. Well, that is a fantastic story. And Robin Cunningham, who's now retired, as you know. Uh, just yeah, and, I, and I texted her that day. I was like, she's like, who's this? I was like, Michael Anderson. She's like, oh. I was like, well, I had to say something. Yeah. Because you've, you've impacted my CEO journey. So. Uh, she's a great woman. Uh, I actually went to school with her. We're, we're about the same age. And I got to see her as a player. And then, of course, the great work she did for the program in helping guide people like you, not just basketball players, but all the athletes that come through Seton Hall uh, to a higher place. And uh, she just uh, deservedly so is in the Seton Hall University Hall of Fame. So, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Your story is so compelling. We could probably talk for another hour, but I know you're busy. (laughs) I know you're busy, but there's so many stories there. Hey, what was the speech you gave? Do you remember the speech you gave, that impromptu speech when Robin asked you to say something? Um, she pretty much wanted me to talk about, cause I mean, everyone's always thought like my journey has been interesting to me. <laughs> I just feel like as a kid, it was just something I had to do. She's just like, Oh, tell me about growing up in Nigeria and how your life's been in the U S and you know what? It was a pretty easy one, but I would tell you like an impromptu speech. Um, you have to come up to fly in terms of structure um, so I feel like it was an easy one, but all at the same time, it was challenging because, you know, I had to speak. And it wasn't just in front of her. I was in front of a bunch of people in her office as well. So, you know what? I had to talk to these guys about my journey, you know, and about all the stuff I've encountered. And then she, she would ask me questions. Why do you like the U.S., you know? And then I would answer, you know, 
like like in like a speech manner. So I thought that was great from home, you know. I like a little challenge myself. Uh, you know, it sounds like there have been number a number of challenges, and you've answered them all. That that has spearheaded you to such great success. Uh, you know, the Big East Basketball Scholar Athlete of the Year in your senior year, four times All League academic, uh, and of course now making your way in the business world. Uh, your impact has been felt at Seton Hall, and now your impact in the business world is just starting. Michael, just wonderful to be able to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. And your heart and my heart is in the same place. Let's get a W against Rutgers on Sunday. And that will wrap things up for this edition of Pirates Talk. An appetizer, if you will, for Sunday's Hardwood Classic Showdown against Rutgers at Prudential Center. It should be a memorable night. Thanks to Michael Enzi for sharing his time and his story. I think you can tell he will be very successful in his business career and in just about anything he pursues. A proud Setonian, Enzi has made Seton Hall just as proud of him. You can follow Enzi on Twitter and Instagram at at Michael Enzi, N-Z-E-I, at Michael Enzi. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates! Pirates!